you know, it's hard work. You know, it's hard yakka, you know. It's pretty standard for us to do a 12 to 15 hour day, you know, six to seven days a week. But when we take the time to stop while we're going hell for leather trying to feed animals and, you know, get pigs back to where they're supposed to be, it is just that I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. At Echo Valley Farm, pigs are pasture-raised in small groups and rotationally grazed in a combination of open grazing grass country and native forest bushland. Farmer Randall Breen believes this results in happy, healthy pigs that are free to express their inner pigginess. Randall, how are you? Good, mate. Good. It's good to get you on the show. It sounds like a pretty idyllic location there. Tell us about where you are. Yeah, cool, mate. Well, we um, we reside on um, unceded lands of the Bunjalung uh, Nation on, of the Githable people, which is um, just over the Great Dividing Range in um, southwestern um, Queensland in the Goombra Valley. So, yeah, we're on a on a 650-acre property here um, in the Goombra Valley and, yeah, beautiful country. What's so great about that region for what you're doing? Um, I think it is – so it's a temperate area um, where, where what would be described as a brittle tending if you look at the holistic farm management. Um, so not a lot of rainfall um, and a beautiful, rich um, volcanic basalt um, soils, so very fertile. Um, at least it was until um, industrial farming got a hold of it, but we're in the process of healing all of that. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing on the farm and, uh, and what you're what you're growing. Yeah, awesome. So we we run what we call or uh, describe as a stacked integrated farming system. So we're running a whole range of um, animals and farming practices that uh, we're trying to run symbiotically that work in harmony with each other. And our core focus is about healing healing the landscape. So trying to trying to build soil, um, revive. Um, the soil back to its former glory and and um yeah build a rich and abundant landscape and so yeah yeah so tell us tell us what you what you have on the farm and sort of the role that that each one plays yeah awesome yeah so we our predominant um animals um are poultry for egg production um cattle for for stud stock and uh, beef production and our pigs um and their pigs um core role is uh landscape rejuvenation and and uh, fertility moving fertility around our landscape because they're such intensive and so they, they're processing a lot of food waste for us and so those guys all work in in partnership with each other constantly moving across the landscape um, in a holistically managed system is there challenges with this system absolutely yeah it, <laughs> it as you may have worked out it's it's really um a, a lot of labour is involved because if you can imagine trying to move fences and livestock and and um, shelter and and all of those sorts of things, water across the landscape landscape constantly, um, it can be pretty labour intensive. Um, so a fair bit of time involved. But um, what is amazing is seeing the response of the landscape once we start to, um, I guess. Uh, we use the the concept of being a patient, attentive observer. So we're we're using these animals and then attentively observing it, what the what the result is to our landscape. 
Tell us a little bit about those results. How much, what have you seen change? What are the benefits of this system? Yeah, I think the critical thing is what we see, what the big thing we see change is the diversity coming back into our landscape. So, um, yeah, this farm is sort of split between remnant vegetation, which is lovely and, and really rich in diversity, but the other half um, is previously conventionally farmland. So it was under full tillage and a lot of chemical use um, in order to grow monocultured crops and so we've been in the, on the journey of trying to return that back to a rich and diverse landscape. And what animals do that um, nothing else we've seen can do is, is build that diversity. And so in, in our 10 years of being on the farm, the diversity is just remarkable. So diversity of plant life um, and with diversity of plant life comes diversity of wildlife. I want to explore everything that you're doing shortly um, and specifically get into the life of the pigs on the farm. But um, tell us about growing up. Where, where did you grow up and what sort of role did food play for you? Yeah, cool. Um, look, I, we were, I grew up in a, in a town called Bundaberg, um, sort of central coastal Queensland. And, um, yeah, we had a, a very simple, simple life. Food probably didn't play a, a huge role, to be honest. We were very conventional um, you know, meat and three veg type family. <laughs> um, you know, mum and dad were were feeding four kids on a budget, and so it was. You know, it wasn't until later in our life where, when Janita and I got married, and then we started to explore food that it, that whole world was really opened up to us. Well, so yeah. Why did you become a, a farmer? Um, that's a really good question. I, my, my mother's side of the family were, um, in farming. And so as a kid, I got exposed a lot to, to the farming world and, and really loved it. And that was an, an aspiration for me as a kid, but it, it probably wasn't something that was fostered in, in me, you know, like there was that classic mindset that, you know, unless you inherit land, it, farming isn't really an option. And so I moved away from it. I, I I moved into community work. Actually, did did a degree in social science, and were working in um, in in the cities, working with marginalised young people. And that's where I met, you know, Janita and I were working together doing community work, and um, and then it, we just sort of f fell into it. To be honest, <laughs> we bought a small property and then um, started exploring regenerative agriculture, and and then we made a decision to to buy the property that we're on. And just go, we fell in love with the concepts of, and what's really interesting is, you know, coming from a, a community development type background, the concepts of regenerative agriculture just made perfect sense. Um, you know, building community dynamics within our, within the natural world, um, we were able to actually apply some of those skills to, to building a rich and diverse community within within our farming practice. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, do, you, do you have any stories of what it was like trying to get the farm up and running? <laughs> endless, endless stories, mate. We call, ourselves, we call ourselves Braille farmers. So we're just feeling, we're feeling our way. So often with Braille farming, there's plenty of mistakes and plenty of stories. But uh, one of the, you know, the very start, when we got started, we, um, 
we started with 250 chickens on a on a tiny acreage, um, and then we bought this this farm. And so what we had to do is we had to move these guys to this new farm and um, we'd converted an old box trailer into a chook pen that could move around the landscape with these 250 chooks in it. Um, you know, we'd cut the floor out and put mesh in so all of their, their powerful chicken manure could fall through onto the pasture. But, um, but we had to move these guys onto our new farm. So we, we literally, um, and we were about, oh, I suppose it was two hours drive away. From where we are now and um one night we um when the girls went to bed we closed the closed the doors on this mobile chicken trailer um hooked it up to the tow ball and uh drove over the great dividing range onto our new farm and we uh, and we even stopped for petrol along the way which was hilarious you know we we pulled into this service station with this with this, you imagine like a little a little tin house sitting on top of a box trailer. We'd got a we'd got a twenty four hour parking uh, um, permit to to drive this trailer across. Uh, we we we'd failed to dis, to uh, disclose to the the um, main roads that there'd be two hundred and fifty chickens on the inside. We pulled into the service station and all these chooks peering out, wondering what what the hell was going on. But um, so that was the start of our craziness, and yeah, from then it's I suppose it's been a constant, uh, constant journey of um, working with animals and and uh, yeah, wins and losses. But yeah, it was we've had some exciting events along the way, that's for sure. Tell us about the introduction to pigs to the farm and and what that was like. Yeah, so the pigs weren't um, weren't really on our radar as a as an animal to include in our farming system until we started to identify the huge amounts of, firstly, our landscape, um, the, the nutritional loss that had happened over the 120 years of white colonial farming. Um, and we knew that we needed to try to revive that. And there was pockets of our farm that sort of sat between um, the farmland and the remnant vegetation that was intensely degraded. And we'd, we were there was a lot of weeds coming in, lantana and bits and pieces. And um, it was it wasn't really usable for anything, so we couldn't crop it for vegetables, say, and we couldn't. There was no real feed value for the herbivores like the like the cattle, and so we were trying. We we're scratching our head of how can we utilise this area, and how can we help to start to restore it back to what it used to be like. Um, and then the other thing we were seeing was the amount of food waste within our food system. We were just um, astounded with how much stuff was being wasted in our the broader food system, and and that's where we fell upon pigs. Really, um, we started with two two little white pigs that we got from a piggery, an industrial piggery that we we bought um, as wiener pigs, and they came here and they probably did it a bit tough to be honest initially because they had to adjust to the to the outdoor lifestyle. Um, but uh, even just with the first two, once you know, once they hardened. To the and and just enjoyed um, digging and and mucking around in the timbered country on our farm, high up on our landscape, and then and then we started to access um, some of the food the food waste from food manufacturers in in Brisbane. Um, it just it it took off from there to the point where now you know we have in excess of 150 pigs on the farm and um we've we've developed you know we've worked with breeds now that are more adapt to to an outdoor free-range lifestyle 
Um, and what they have done is in terms of reviving our landscape and diverting food from landfill has been quite remarkable. How, how different is it working with pigs to other animals? <laughs> it's, um, I'm sure you've, you've heard um, the, uh, the, we, we, uh, we talk about the fact that if you think you're becoming a person of influence, just try telling a pig what to do. <laughs> <laughs> they are the most remarkable animals and like just they are creative, they are imaginative, they are inquisitive. Um, so they, they are they can be incredibly challenging in terms of from a from a management point of view. Um, both they're, they're hard on the landscape, they're hard on fences, and that's because of their uniqueness as an animal. And so over time, we're slowly learning how to um, connect with the pigginess of the pig and um, utilise those tools as a, as, a, as a resource. And so I guess the, the, the big challenge with pigs is its management. So you need to be moving them regularly across the landscape because it's a, it's a fine line with pigs between a, a landscape and a moonscape because they're so, they're so keen to dig and explore and 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 you know they're they're what we describe as a pioneer animal. You know they turn up like, say you know what a lot of people call weeds. You know plants that turn up to to fix a problem. Pig, pigs turn up and create an event. And um, you know they dig and 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 wallow and you know do all those sorts of things, which is incredibly um, beneficial to a landscape if it's managed effectively. And um, yeah. You mentioned um, the breed changing a little bit. Tell us a bit about the breed that you do have on the farm and why you've gone in that direction. Yeah, so we um, we looked at a whole heap of different um, pig breeds, um, and we we fell on. We realised that in our system we needed to sort of um, look at the more heritage line breeds, and we we tried all sorts. Um, but what we ultimately landed on was the Duroc breed. So it's a breed that was developed in the US. Um, and what's really good about them, they're, they're a sort of a reddy brown colour, so they're really good outdoors. You know, they've got coloured skin so they don't sunburn. Um, but they were sort of developed um, as the first pig um, out of when, when pigs were preference for their lard production rather than their meat. And these, these pigs were developed specifically for their meat. And so these guys are quite remarkable animals um, in terms of laying down intermuscular fat, um, and, and not getting overly fatty. So you can get a really lovely fat cover on the pigs, but you, um, some of the more heritage breeds, can, they, they can be challenging challenges managing the, how much fat they lay down. And so the Durox are a lot, a lot, they were the best in terms of the feed sources that we're feeding these guys and, and the way that they've performed. Um, yeah, they're, they're a beautiful animal. We love them. You briefly touched on some of the feed um, f- for them. T- take us through the feeding program. What are the pigs eating? Yeah, cool. So, you know, yeah, obviously we landed on, we started, we brought pigs into our, our farming system based on um, something we identified within um, our, our observing how much food waste there is um, within our broader for, food system. Um, so every week we go, we go, we do a, what we call a, a yield stream run. Um, in through Brisbane and collect food waste. So we call it yield stream because we don't want to call it waste um, because it's actually, it's, it's a yield, it's a, it's a product that has only b- become waste because our system um, hasn't identified a use for it. And so we pick up um, vegetable waste from food wholesalers 
Um, and we pick up a lot of brewer's grain, so which is a, a, a spent brewer's grain, which is a barley porridge that is the byproduct of beer making. And so they're the two things. And we bring home around five tonnes per week on the back of our truck. Um, and uh, all of that, yeah, it's remarkable. And it just doesn't – so, you know, in our, in our time, we've, we've um, diverted, yeah, thousands of tonnes of, of food waste that would have otherwise ended up in landfill. And what's beautiful is these you put it through these pigs. We call them our, our four-legged compost bins. You know, like they create perfect compost in 24 hours. It's remarkable, you know. We, we feed them this stuff and we, we add to the brewer's grain. There's a few things missing in it in terms of nutritionally that's been extracted for beer making. And so we get, we get a concentrate made which fills up. We got the, the, the brewer's grain analysed and worked out what it was missing nutritionally for the pigs. Um, and so that that then gets mixed with the brewer's grain and that becomes their, their ideal diet. And then they get all these, the food waste, which is just, you know, an added treat. The other thing, we work with a, a sauerkraut manufacturer in Brisbane and we get all of their, their waste, cabbages and sauerkraut. So, you know, these guys, these pigs have the best gut health out of any pig, I reckon, in the world. <laughs> and they love it. Yeah, like there's a we we get this garlic sauerkraut um, from time to time. So you know, if if anything in the pro, in the manufacturing process goes wrong, if it gets too soggy or whatever, we we get it back. And there's a, they particularly love the garlic sauerkraut. And so the the benefit is, you know, we're putting this into these guys, and it's working as a as a um, a, a wormer and a, and a health tonic for these guys. So you know they're. They're pretty bloody healthy. <laughs> <laughs> That's extraordinary. Um, yeah. Take us through the life cycle of the pig in the farm and, and how big do you grow them to before they go to market? So our pigs live their entire life outdoors. Um, so we have some beautiful um, big sows who um, uh, they spend, spend, spend their time free-ranging in our timbered country, um, hanging out with our boars, big big monster is is our main boar he's a, a beautiful purebred jurok um and and so yeah the gestation of a pig is three months three weeks and three days which i find astounding um and those pigs literally will farrow either in some some farrowing shelters that we've built or literally in the forest they'll it's amazing to watch a sow build a nest to farrow in you know, like they'll go out and you'll see them um, two to three days prior to farrowing. They'll be collecting branches and straw and grass and all sorts of things and they'll build these just um, immaculate little nests that they'll then um, lie down in and give birth under a tree or under a shrub or they particularly love burrowing in under um, a big old lantana bush which they've built this nest in. And, um, yeah, they, they, they'll give birth. Durocs don't have huge litters, usually between 8 and 10, um, which is really good, you know, in an in a, um, outdoor setting that it's not putting too much demand on mum to produce excess milk. Um, and so then those little piglets spend eight weeks with mum. Um, we'll, uh, we'll then wean them off mum when mum's had a gutful. <laughs> it's quite remarkable. They're more than happy at eight weeks to say, right, are you taken from now? <laughs> and uh, so then those pigs then um we we usually try to have um three to three to four sows farrow at the same time we wean them all at the same time and then that becomes um a community group of say 30 pigs that then they'll spend their their life together as a as a growing group 
and we'll, we'll grow through to um, a market weight. We're trying to produce a carcass of around 60 to 70 kilos. So um, they're sort of, I guess, 80 kilos live weight. Um, and those guys will um, – and that, that's done um, slow. You know, they, they spend their entire time on either a cover crop, which will plant a diverse cover crop of all sorts of mixed species plants that they can graze on or in the, in the gra- on our grass country. And um, and then fed fed our waste stream feed, um, and so it takes a bit longer. You know, the industrial food systems sort of t- turns pigs off at that weight about twenty weeks, um, and we we could be thirty to forty weeks before those guys are ready um, for processing. And we just find that that just adds um, not only the diet but that slower grown, lots of activity. You know, lots of muscle movement. They're they're ranging over. Um, you know, one to two hectares moved every 21 days onto a new paddock. So they're constantly moving and active, and I think that that just adds the most to the to the dynamic flavour and taste of the meat. Mm. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. What what sort of impact does the lifestyle and diet have on the end product? And tell us a bit about what that end product is. Yeah, awesome. So I guess the big thing you notice is the colour of the meat. You know, if you've ever bought industrial pork, it's it's quite pale, and you know they call it the other white meat. Well, our meat is is deep, almost a, of a beef colour, um, not quite as dark red as that, but it's definitely a deep, um, a deep red colour, um, and I, that comes through that muscle movement, I believe, um, and and what that does to the flavour is is quite. Um, unmistakable. I do think that you know sauerkraut adds to flavour too, um, uh, we're, and we're on quite heavy dark soil. And I think that that you know I, th- I think um, the terroir, the flavour of the land, um, that deep um, heavy black soil adds to a nice deep rich flavour to the to the meat. Um, you know they're digging in that every day. You know pulling up roots um, and yeah adding to the flavour. And so then, yeah, our animals at, at processing weight, what, what's really beautiful is we've add, added to our, our system, we've just actually built an on-farm boning and packing room. So our animals head off to a, a small local family abattoir and then come back here the next day and hang in our fridges and, and, and we cut the meat up and, and turn it into the products that we, we process. So we're trying to take control of the whole supply chain um, from the food to the landscape to the animal and then the ultimate, the final product. Where does the product end up? What market are you selling it into? Look, our main market, um, we're trying to feed families. Um, you know, that's that's our core value. So we run a CSA program, which is a community-supported agriculture, where we have um, families that sign up as members of our farm. Um, and every month they get a box full of products that we produce. They come to the farm. They, they're involved in the process of, of what we do here. So, you know, four times a year we have a seasonal farm tour and our CSA members come here. They help us plant trees and do all sorts of things and engage with those animals that ultimately feed their family. And so that's our main one. We, we supply some restaurants um, and cafes and, and, and other bits and pieces and people can buy our product direct from an online shop that we run. Um, and do a weekly delivery. But ultimately, our core vision and our focus is about building that community-supported agriculture network and and um, really deeply engaging in relationship with the people we feed. That's amazing. Uh, who's the cook in the family, and is there a signature pork dish in the house? <laughs> it is definitely my wife. 
Um, yeah, on, on occasions I'm allowed to ruin a good pork steak. But uh, <laughs> um, look, we, yeah, so we eat a lot of pork, um, a, a slow cooked um, in our in our smoker collar butt is pretty hard to go past. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it is pretty, pretty, pretty phenomenal. What's the best sort of pork dish you've had? You know, using your product, was it at home or was it somewhere else? Yeah, look, there's so, you know what's so amazing about about pork is its versatility. Um, it you know from we went to uh, went to speak about our farming practice in in Italy at the Slow Food um, Festival last year in in Turin, and uh, you know eating some Italian um, small farm produced copper is pretty hard to go past. But also, you know, but then you've got you know a, a pork loin chop that's that's cooked on a barbecue is pretty remarkable too. Um, but I reckon you know um, our pork eaten with friends is a pretty pretty unmistakable, um, yeah, pretty hard to go past meal. You're um, doing amazing things up up there. What's what's some of the challenges for you in sort of running what you do, and what's the day to day like? Yeah, so we we do big hours. It's a it's a constant, um, you know, trying to manage the needs of our landscape, our livestock, and our our community is is pretty challenging. Um, you know, so yeah, um, between Janita and I, we're we're doing doing some some big hours in terms of running the farm. Um, I think the challenges at the moment, you know, we're we're, we're seeing such uh, volatile climate. Um, situations going on at the moment and that, and that's a really hard thing to manage you know in our in our 10 years of being on the farm here we've had rainfall volatility that um is quite remarkable we've had 187 millimeters of rain total for a year in 2019 the worst drought in history to last year we had um almost a meter and a half of rain that fell in the year and and then this year we've we've dropped right back um, to 350 mils. So that sort of climate volatility makes it extremely difficult to to manage the landscape and and the product at the other end. And so trying to educate people around what it means to be um, eating seasonally and locally is challenging. Um, but yeah, we've got a, a great team around us, you know, in terms of our CSA members and that sort of thing. You had an extraordinary move into farming. How has it changed you? Oh, it has changed me, um, yeah, remarkably. I think when when you get an opportunity um, to deeply engage with your landscape and your country and your animals, so we talk about um, building a deep and intimate relationship with our landscape, with our with our animals, and with the people that we feed. It, you 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 can never see any other way of being after that. You know. I know it sound, that sounds a bit woo-woo, but it's quite remarkable. You know, our our First Nations people understood that. Um, you know, they un- understand, you know, they talk about the fact that they are country. They're not on it or in it, but they are part of it. And, you know, in our short period of time of deeply, of seeking to deeply engage with, with country, it's just quite remarkable. And that that's something that will never, ever change. You know, once once that starts to happen, um, yeah, it's changed us for the better. Well, you're doing extraordinary things there at Echo Valley Farm. But what do you love about what you do? Oh, every bit of it. You know, I think it's it's those things. It's it's every single day we get to walk out and 
and um, engage with with the landscape that we're on and with those animals that we're working with. Um, and those deep relationships are just quite remarkable. They're life changing, and um, it's you know it's hard work. You know, it's hard yakka. You know, we it's it's pretty standard for us to do a twelve to fifteen hour a day. You know, six to seven days a week. Um, but it when we take the time to stop while we're going hell for leather trying to feed animals and you know get pigs back to where they're supposed to be <laughs> rather than um, digging up the back lawn um, taking that time to stop and look around and you know literally smell the flowers um, it it is just that I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else well, Randall, it's extraordinary what you're doing and an absolute honour to have you on The Crackling today to hear just a part of your story. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Awesome, mate. So so glad to be part of it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for giving us the opportunity to tell our story. This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.